Section six of the Coming Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Rohde. The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton. Chapter ten. The word ana, pronounced broadly ana, corresponds with our plural men. An the singular with man the word for woman is gi pronounced hard as in guy it forms itself into jaye for the plural but the g becomes soft in the plural like jy-ei they have a proverb to the effect that this difference in pronunciation is symbolical for that the female sex is soft in the concrete but hard to deal with in the individual the jaye are in the fullest enjoyment of all the rights of equality with males, for which certain philosophers above ground contend. In childhood they perform the offices of work and labor impartially with the boys, and, indeed, in the earlier age appropriated to the destruction of animals irreclaimably hostile, the girls are frequently preferred as being by constitution more ruthless under the influence of fear or hate in the interval between infancy and the marriageable age familiar intercourse between the sexes is suspended at the marriageable age it is renewed never with worse consequences than those which attend upon marriage all arts and vocations allotted to the one sex are open to the other, and the jayets arrogate to themselves a superiority in all those abstruse and mystical branches of reasoning for which they say the ana are unfitted by a duller sobriety of understanding or the routine of their matter-of-fact occupations just as young ladies in our own world constitute themselves authorities in the subtlest points of theological doctrine for which few men actively engaged in worldly business have sufficient learning or refinement of intellect whether owing to early training in gymnastic exercises or to their constitutional organization the jayets are usually superior to the ana in physical strength an important element in the consideration and maintenance of female rights they attain to loftier stature and amid their rounder proportions are embedded sinews and muscles as hardy as those of the other sex indeed they assert that according to the original laws of nature females were intended to be larger than males and maintain this dogma by reference to the earliest formations of life in insects and in the most ancient family of the vertebrata namely fishes in both of which the females are generally large enough to make a meal of their concerts if they so desire above all the jayets have a readier and more concentred power over that mysterious fluid or agency which contains the element of destruction with a larger portion of that sagacity which comprehends dissimulation thus they cannot only defend themselves against all aggressions from the males 
but could at any moment when he least expected his danger terminate the existence of an offending spouse to the credit of the jayet no instance of their abuse of this awful superiority in the art of destruction is on record for several ages the last that occurred in the community i speak of appears according to their chronology to have been about two thousand years ago a gi then in a fit of jealousy slew her husband and this abominable act inspired such terror among the males that they emigrated in a body and left all the jayet to themselves the history runs that the widowed jayet thus reduced to despair fell upon the murderess when in her sleep and therefore unarmed and killed her and then entered into a solemn obligation amongst themselves to abrogate forever the exercise of their extreme conjugal powers and to inculcate the same obligation for ever and ever on their female children by this conciliatory process a deputation despatched to the fugitive concerts succeeded in persuading many to return but those who did return were mostly the elder ones the younger either from too craven a doubt of their concerts or too high an estimate of their own merits rejected all overtures and remaining in other communities were caught up there by other mates with whom perhaps they were no better off but the loss of so large a portion of the male youth operated as a salutary warning on the jayet and confirmed them in the pious resolution to which they pledged themselves indeed it is now popularly considered that by long hereditary disuse the jayet have lost both the aggressive and defensive superiority over the ana which they once possessed just as in the inferior animals above earth many peculiarities in their original formation intended by nature for their protection gradually fade or become inoperative when not needed under altered circumstances i should be sorry however for any an who induced a gi to make the experiment whether he or she were the stronger from the incident i have narrated the ana date certain alterations in the marriage customs tending perhaps somewhat to the advantage of the male they now bind themselves in wedlock only for three years at the end of each third year either male or female can divorce the other and is free to marry again at the end of ten years the An has the privilege of taking a second wife, allowing the first to retire if she so please. These regulations are for the most part a dead letter. Divorces and polygamy are extremely rare, and the marriage state now seems singularly happy and serene among this astonishing people. The Jayet, notwithstanding their boastful superiority in physical strength and intellectual abilities, being much curbed into gentle manners by the dread of separation or of a second wife, and the Anna being very much the creature of custom, 
and not except under great aggravation likely to exchange for hazardous novelties faces and manners to which they are reconciled by habit but there is one privilege the jaye carefully retain and the desire for which perhaps forms the secret motive of most lady asserters of women rights above ground they claim the privilege here usurped by men of proclaiming their love and urging their suit in other words of being the wooing party rather than the wooed such a phenomenon as an old maid does not exist among the jaye indeed it is very seldom that a gi does not secure any on upon whom she sets her heart if his affections be not strongly engaged elsewhere however coy reluctant and prudish the male she courts may prove at first yet her perseverance her ardour her persuasive powers her command over the mystic agencies of vril are pretty sure to run down his neck into what we call the fatal noose their argument for the reversal of that relationship of the sexes which the blind tyranny of man has established on the surface of the earth appears cogent and is advanced with a frankness which might well be commended to impartial consideration they say that of the two the female is by nature of a more loving disposition than the male that love occupies a larger space in her thoughts and is more essential to her happiness and that therefore she ought to be the wooing party that otherwise the male is a shy and dubitant creature that he has often a selfish predilection for the single state that he often pretends to misunderstand tender glances and delicate hints that in short he must be resolutely pursued and captured they add moreover that unless the gi can secure the on of her choice and one whom she would not select out of the whole world becomes her mate she is not only less happy than she otherwise would be but she is not so good a being that her qualities of heart are not sufficiently developed whereas the on is a creature that less lastingly concentrates his affections on one object that if he cannot get the gi whom he prefers he easily reconciles himself to another gi and finally that at the worst if he is loved and taken care of it is less necessary to the welfare of his existence that he should love as well as be loved he grows contented with his creature comforts and the many occupations of thought which he creates for himself whatever may be said as to this reasoning the system works well for the male for being thus sure that he is truly and ardently loved and that the more coy and reluctant he shows himself the more determination to secure him increases he generally contrives to make his consent dependent on such conditions as he thinks the best calculated to ensure if not a blissful at least a peaceful life each individual on has his own hobbies his own ways 
his own predilections, and, whatever they may be, he demands a promise of full and unrestrained concession to them. This, in the pursuit of her object, the Gi readily promises, and, as the characteristic of this extraordinary people is an implicit veneration for truth, and her word, once given, is never broken even by the giddiest gi, the conditions stipulated for are religiously observed. In fact, notwithstanding all their abstract rights and powers, the jaye are the most amiable, conciliatory, and submissive wives I have ever seen, even in the happiest households above ground. It is an aphorism among them that, where a gi loves, it is her pleasure to obey. It will be observed that in the relationship of the sexes I have spoken only of marriage, for such is the moral perfection to which this community has attained, that any illicit connection is as little possible amongst them as it would be to a couple of linnets during the time they agree to live in pairs. CHAPTER Eleven. Nothing had more perplexed me in seeking to reconcile my sense to the existence of regions extending below the surface of the earth, and habitable by beings, if dissimilar from, still in all material points of organism akin to those in the upper world, than the contradiction thus presented to the doctrine in which, I believe, most geologists and philosophers concur, namely, that though with us the sun is the great source of heat, yet the deeper we go beneath the crust of the earth, the greater is the increasing heat, being, it is said, found in the ratio of a degree for every foot, commencing from fifty feet below the surface. But though the domains of the tribe I speak of were on the higher ground, so comparatively near to the surface that I could account for a temperature therein suitable to organic life, yet even the ravines and valleys of that realm were much less hot than philosophers would deem possible at such a depth, certainly not warmer than the south of France, or at least of Italy, and according to all the accounts I received, vast tracts immeasurably deeper beneath the surface, and in which one might have thought only salamanders could exist, were inhabited by innumerable races organized like ourselves, I cannot pretend in any way to account for a fact which is so at variance with the recognized laws of science, nor could Z much help me towards a solution of it. She did but conjecture that sufficient allowance had not been made by our philosophers for the extreme porousness of the interior earth the vastness of its cavities and irregularities which served to create free currents of air and frequent winds and for the various modes in which heat is evaporated and thrown off she allowed however that there was a depth at which the heat was deemed to be intolerable to such organized life as was known to the experience of the vril -ya 
though their philosophers believed that even in such places life of some kind life sentient life intellectual would be found abundant and thriving could the philosophers penetrate to it wherever the all-good builds said she there be sure he places inhabitants he loves not empty dwellings she added however that many changes in temperature and climate had been effected by the skill of the vril-ya and that the agency of vril had been successfully employed in such changes she described a subtle and life-giving medium called lai which i suspect to be identical with the ethereal oxygen of dr lewins wherein work all the correlative forces united under the name of vril and contended that wherever this medium could be expanded as it were sufficiently for the various agencies of vril to have ample play a temperature congenial to the highest forms of life could be secured she said also that it was the belief of their naturalists that flowers and vegetation had been produced originally whether developed from seeds born from the surface of the earth in the earlier convulsions of nature or imported by the tribes that first sought refuge in cavernous hollows through the operations of the light constantly brought to bear on them and the gradual improvement in culture she said also that since the vril light had superseded all other light-giving bodies the colors of flowers and foliage had become more brilliant and vegetation had acquired larger growth leaving these matters to the consideration of those better competent to deal with them i must now devote a few pages to the very interesting questions connected with the language of the vril-ya End of chapter 11